0: Today I want to bring back an old episode because it comes at a perfect time of year that honestly I think we all need this reminder. So this episode is from the past but whether you've listened to it before or have not I can guarantee you there are going to be things in here that you need to hear before summer hits so that you can protect your skin. Do you depend on sunscreen for your skin protection? Because millions of Americans do, but they shouldn't rely on it alone. The rate of melanoma diagnosis is actually increasing. The consensus among scientists is that sunscreens alone cannot reverse this trend. And yet, a good sunscreen can play a role in preventing sunburns that are a major risk factor for melanoma, provided you use it correctly. And then the other thing is that there are a lot of chemicals in our sunblocks and we need to know which sunblock to choose that might be a better fit for a body to stay healthy. All of that coming up right after this. And now it's time for the Eagle's Eye on Health. These are Kim's quick tips, latest health news, or piece of weekly inspiration. In today's Eagle's Eye on Health, we are going to talk about a article that's called More Sleep Versus More Exercise. And this comes from the Idea Fitness magazine that always has great information, the latest up-to-date about nutrition, fitness, and health. And what they're talking about is that new research reveals that many working Americans are actually conflicted about whether to spend time exercising or sleeping And I actually have my clients ask me this a lot. Hey, in order to get that workout in, I'm going to have to cut my sleep short by like another hour. What should I do? Well, the University of Pennsylvania investigators analyzed data from 48,000 adults who participated in the American Time Use Survey between 2003 and 2016. The researchers found that for most individuals, sleep duration went down. As exercise duration went up. And that led to the conclusion that exercise and sleep are actually competing with each other for time. Now, losing minor amounts of sleep due to exercise should be fine, as sleep itself benefits from exercise. It usually helps you fall asleep faster. It can also lead to more efficient sleep, they say. But the American Academy of Sleep Medicine and the Sleep Research Society do suggest that adults get at least seven hours of sleep per 24 hours on a regular basis to promote your health. So the goal should really be to find that balance that allows regular exercise and sufficient sleep. And that's really where it comes down to what you can do. If you're not getting seven hours of sleep, you might have to cut a workout short because the sleep really and truly is so important. I honestly think it's one of the most important parts of being healthy and having a healthy body. If you are sleep deprived, if you don't get that seven hours that they're recommending, it's going to affect your energy, You're not going to be able to lose weight because you actually secrete hormones for weight loss when you're sleeping enough. Uh, It also gives you that foggy brain. You're not going to get a good workout in because you're going to be fatigued, tired, it can make you hungry, crave carbs, so many things. So if you're that person right now who is sort of battling, well, do I work out or do I sleep in? I'm going to tell you right now, you got to find somewhere, somehow, some way to balance it. You can't just give one up for the other. You're gonna have to find some middle ground. Maybe it means a shorter workout, but you still get the workout in. But again, you really don't wanna compromise sleep, and yet you don't wanna compromise exercise either. So it's up to you to figure out where you can make that balance. Okay, everyone, back to sunblock because like I said, actually some things or one thing in particular has changed from the sunblock episode I did last year. There's always new research being done and always new things coming up. And so that's the goal of this podcast, to bring you things that are changing in health, fitness, and nutrition so that we can all stay on top of it. Now, a lot of the information that I give you today comes from mayo clinic and also comes from the ewg which is the environmental working groups that's what it stands for the environmental working group and so i'm going to talk a little bit about them in just a moment because i want to explain what this company and our sort of a brand does and how you can access their information because it is awesome what they put together but another thing i just want to let you know is that because this is Definitely a really important topic. Whenever it's an important topic with little details that we always forget, that's when I try to make you a little free TB freebie, right? Something that you can download so that you can look up, okay, what were those four things I'm supposed to look for in my sunblock? Or what are the four things that are not supposed to be in my sunblock? And you can download it. What I like to do now is I actually do, I download my own freebies. But this one especially, because... I literally every year I go to get my sunblock and I'm the one who does the podcast on sunblock. I did all the research and I forget too each year when summer comes back. Okay, what was my sunscreen supposed to have? What What is it not supposed to have? So now I just have it on my phone in my notes section. Now I have an iPhone so that's That's all I can speak about. I don't know what the Android has. I'm sure it has a similar note section. But what I do is I download the freebie. It's a PDF that you can get for free. I'm going to tell you where to get it. And then I save it in my notes section. So when I get to the market and I'm buying my sunblock, this just happened last week, I just clicked on my notes and boom, it opened up and showed me, oh, these are the things I look for. So I highly recommend you download this freebie and this is where you're going to get it. And I'll tell you it again at the end of the podcast. Go to shockthatbody.com forward slash sunblock. Easy as that. Now, if you listened to my podcast last week, you might have caught the information that I am merging my earnthatbody.com with shockthatbody.com. I've had these two different websites and they are merging into one over the next few weeks. So if you go to shockthatbody.com forward slash sunblock and it doesn't work, All you have to do is go to EarnThatBody.com forward slash sunblock. That goes for all my freebies. They will no longer be ShockThatBody.com forward slash. They will be EarnThatBody.com forward slash. Okay. We'll talk about it again at the end. I've now completely overwhelmed you. Let's go back to the topic at hand. So the EWG, the Environmental Working Groups, their mission is to empower people to live healthier lives in a healthier environment. With breakthrough research and education, they drive consumer choice and civic action. They are a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization dedicated to protecting human health and the environment. EWG's groundbreaking research has changed the debate over environmental health. From households to Capitol Hill, EWG's team of scientists policy experts, lawyers, communication experts, and programmers has worked tirelessly to make sure someone is standing up for public health when the government and industry will not. Through their reports, online databases, mobile apps, and communication campaigns, EWG is educating and empowering consumers to make safer and more informed decisions about the products they buy. So hopefully you can sense my passion about this company. It's like, oh my gosh, finally someone who is standing up for people because this is a time where unfortunately our government is a lot going on. Sometimes there's shutdowns. And what do you think happens during a shutdown when a vitamin company uh, has been found to do something wrong? And now it's up to the, you know, the the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, to make decisions. But the government shut down. Things don't work in your favor when that happens. And so we have to be empowered to to make sure we're making the right decisions. And I love that there's a company that we can go to The EWG.org, we can go to this website and we can see their research. We can see what they're standing up for. And they have an amazing consumer guide for so many products, even sunblock. So in my um, freebie to you, I will include the EWG's link. I will include how you can input your, your sunblock into their system to find out if it's toxic or not, and it'll give you a review from them. So it really is fantastic information, and that's a lot of what I'm going to be going through today on this podcast episode. The very first thing I like to talk about, because it's just a reminder, it's my little bit of sunblock 101. What does a broad-spectrum sunscreen actually do? What does that mean, broad-spectrum? Do we want that? What is it? There are two types of UV light that can harm your skin. You've got the UVA and the UVB rays. UVA rays can prematurely age your skin, causing the wrinkling and the age spots. The UVB rays can burn your skin. And too much exposure of both can cause skin cancer. So the best sunscreen offers protection from all UV light, UVA and UVB, a broad spectrum or full spectrum sunscreen protects you from both. So you do want your sunblock to say broad spectrum or full spectrum. All right. That's the very first thing. Sunscreen should also just be one tool that you use to protect against Skin cancer, sunburns, things like that. It can't be the only thing, and we're going to talk a lot about that more coming up. But I want to go over right now about eight little known facts about sunscreen that will help you spot a lot of problems with the different products and also help you so you don't get a sunburn, okay? We're gonna talk about these eight different things about sunblock. The number one thing, or the first thing I should say, is that there is actually no proof that sunscreens alone prevent skin cancer. The rates of melanoma, which is the deadliest form of skin cancer, have tripled over the past 35 years. Most scientists and public health agencies, including the Food and Drug Administration itself, have found little evidence that the use of sunscreen in isolation from other sun protective measures prevents most types of skin cancer. And that's really important for you to understand because people think, okay, if I put on sunblock, I can stay out in the sun all day and I'm not going to get sun cancer and I'm not going to get a sunburn. And that is not true. (laughs) so you still have to be very cautious you have to apply that sunblock a lot and more than once you know and you might need to get out of the sun for certain periods during the day as well wear protective clothing it's not just going to be sunblock that protects you Now, the second thing that you can easily be fooled by, I know most people are, and and that's the goal of a lot of these sunblocks is to fool you, unfortunately, but you do not want to be fooled by a high SPF number. Now, SPF stands for sun protection factor, and what it is, is it's a measure of how well sunscreen protects against the UVB rays. UVA protection, that is not rated. So SPF is specifically about your UVB rays. Manufacturers calculate SPF based on how long it takes to sunburn skin that's been treated with the sunscreen as to compared to skin without sunscreen. So that's actually how they figure out that number. When applied correctly, a sunscreen with, say, an SPF of 30... Will provide slightly more protection from those UVB rays than does a sunscreen with SPF 15. However, SPF 30 is not twice as protective as the SPF 15 product. Sunscreens with SPFs greater than 50 are actually only a small increase in UV protection. So that's where you start to think like, oh, I'm going to grab the SPF 50 because it's going to have, you know, double or triple of this other one that only has 10 or 20, whatever it is, it's not that way. It does not double at all. So you're kind of being fooled into thinking, well, the one with the highest is the best. A sunscreen lotion's SPF rating has actually little to do with the product's ability to shield the skin from the UVA rays. As I said, it's only protecting you from UVB. And as a result, the FDA's restrictions on ingredients and concentrations, U.S. sunscreens offer far less protection against UVA than UVB rays. And this is the worst for those products with the highest SPF values. Because UVA and UVB protection do not harmonize, the high SPF products suppress sunburn much more effectively than other types of sun damage, all right? So, first thing I want you to know, high SPF products may not really be high SPF. That's the first thing. When Procter & Gamble tested a competitor's SPF 100, yes, they actually have some now that are SPF 100. At five different labs, the results varied between SPF 37 and 75. All right, so even though it said it was 100, well, when they tested it, it only showed up between SPF 37 and 75 on many of it on many of the uh, things that they examined. The next thing, consumers misuse high, or they misuse high SPF products because it's high SPF. They tend to sort of <sighs> It it makes someone stay in the sun longer. Let's put it that way. Like people feel really confident that their higher SPF say, "Oh, I got SPF 100. I can stay in the sun longer," and they're overexposing themselves to those UVA and UVB rays. And there's this false sense of security because they had a really high SPF product. So don't misuse it and think that that 100 means you can stay out in the sun longer. And then this one's really important. High SPF products, the really high ones like 100, they actually might have greater risks to health. High SPF products require higher concentrations of sun-filtering chemicals than the low SPF sunscreens. And some of these ingredients may pose health risks when they penetrate the skin and have been linked to tissue damage and potential hormone disruption. Some may trigger allergic reactions, and if studies showed that high SPF products were better at reducing skin damage and skin cancer risk, that extra chemical exposure might be justified but they don't. So choosing a sunscreen with lower concentrations of the active ingredients, SPF 30 instead of SPF 70 is probably your better option. So, That's really important information because I think people are really being fooled and they're grabbing the highest SPF and then they think they can stay out in the sun longer and they think it's doing better, but it actually might have more chemicals, higher concentrations of these chemicals. And we are slathering and lathering this all over our skin and your skin is your biggest organ of the body and it has pores. And so a lot of sunblock into the pores over time because you are supposed to reapply the sunblock like every hour or so. That's a lot of chemicals going into your body. So be very cautious about those high. I would say don't go higher than the SPF 50 as it's probably not going to be a benefit. Now the third thing you want to be aware of when you're looking at sunblocks, the common sunscreen additive vitamin A, May speed development of skin cancer. Well, isn't that lovely? <laughs> vitamin A palmitate, and it's also called retinal palmitate, is a specific type of retinal ester from the preformed vitamin A category. The sunscreen industry adds a form of vitamin A to 12% of beach and sports sunscreens, 15% of our moisturizers with SPF, and 5% of lip products with SPF in this year's database. Retinol palmitate is an antioxidant that combines or that combats skin aging, but studies by federal government scientists indicate that it may trigger development of skin tumors and lesions when used on the skin in the presence of sunlight. I mean, to me, that's just absolutely crazy that it's even allowed still. Other governments warn that cosmetics may contribute to unsafe amounts of vitamin A and recommend against using vitamin A-laden cosmetics on the lips and over large portions of the body. The EWG, they recommend that consumers avoid sunscreens, lip products, skin lotions, any of those things that contain vitamin A or retinol palmitate, which also called retinol acetate, And retinol linoleate and retinol. They say if you see any of that, do not use it. Do not buy it. It is not healthy. So something to look at. These are things being added to sunblock. You look at it and think, oh, it has vitamin A. That's probably good for me. But it's not so definitely an important one to watch out for and don't forget we're slathering and lathering this on our kids too they're little bodies right so just as important if not more for them now number four this one's really interesting european sunscreens provide better uva protection why i mean why don't get me started on our country right now (laughs) but nearly every sunscreen sold in the u.s claims to offer broad spectrum protection and that suggests that they shield against the UVA rays as well as UVB as we said but many products are too weak to be sold in Europe where the standards are higher in Europe sunscreen makes makers can formulate their products with four chemicals that offer stronger protection from UVA rays and american manufacturers have been waiting for years for the FDA approval to use these sunscreen ingredients. The FDA has asked for more safety data, but until the FDA approves these ingredients and lists restrictions on combining certain active ingredients, Americans are not able to buy the sunscreens with the strongest UVA protection. Now, I give you that I'm glad the FDA is trying to slow down the process and investigate it fully, That part is nice if that's really what's going on, but I also give you, maybe we should all buy a lot of sunblock in Europe the next time we're there, (laughs) because it might actually be doing our skin a better service. Number five, sunscreen does not protect skin from all types of sun damage. SPF measures protection from sunburn, but not other types of skin damage. And the sun's ultraviolet rays also generate free radicals that damage DNA and skin cells, accelerate skin aging, and may even cause skin cancer. The American sunscreens can reduce these damages, but not as effectively as they prevent sunburn. People can run into problems if they pick a sunscreen with the poor UVA protection, or if they apply too little, or do not reapply it, frequently enough which really i think is one of the biggest things for all of us is that we forget to reapply all day long now sunscreen companies commonly add spf boosters that inhibit sunburn but may not protect from other damages and the fda should strengthen its regulation to ensure that sunscreens offer the best possible skin protection number six some sunscreen ingredients disrupt hormones and can cause skin allergies. This one really bothers me because anytime we're talking about the hormones, it I mean, that truly affects everything going on in your body. And again, remember, we're slathering this all over our biggest organ of the body. We should be slathering it like every hour and we're slathering it on our children. And now we find out that these ingredients might be disruptive to the hormones in our body. Sunscreen is designed to be applied to large portions of the body several times a day. Sunscreen ingredients soak through the skin and can actually be detected in people's blood, in their urine, and even in mother's breast milk. Several commonly used ingredients appear to block or mimic hormones, and others cause allergic reactions on sensitive skin. The FDA's sunscreen rules grandfathered in sunscreen active ingredients that were already on the market, and the agency has never reviewed evidence of ill effects of sunscreen ingredients. So they're limiting us (laughs) from having the right ingredients to protect against UVA, but they're grandfathering in old stuff that was never actually researched. Makes you question the whole system. Active ingredients in sunscreens come in two forms. They come in a mineral and a chemical filter, and each uses a different mechanism for protecting the skin and maintaining stability in sunlight. The most common sunscreens on the market contain uh, chemical filters, and they're typically the ones that have two to six of the following active ingredients. Oxybenzone, avobenzone, octisylate, octacrylene, homosalate, and octinoxate. Mineral sunscreens use zinc oxide and or titanium dioxide. A handful of products com- combine the zinc oxide with chemical filters. Well, guess what? According to the UEWG, the oxybenzone has been detected in nearly every American's blood. And studies have shown that oxybenzone may have an impact on your endocrine system, the glands in your body that, that make your hormones. That's what it's talking about. Now, this particular scientist said that adding, in one instance, increased levels of oxybenzone in adolescent boys led to lower testosterone levels. Octinoxate may have a similar range of concerns associated. And noting that there are fewer studies and less research to back up a lot of these claims, for that reason, much of the research focuses on the oxybenzone. So although there are like all these different chemicals that we're so concerned about, it's the the oxybenzone is definitely one that they're the most concerned about for your actual hormones and the hormone disruption. Now, I think that's interesting, and I think it's a concern, and that was definitely one that we talked about last year. And then this year, it's funny because I read an article from a dermatologist, and the dermatologists, they're not really so concerned. So it should be noted, because, you know, there's always two sides of a story, that both the oxybenzone and the octanoxate, they are FDA-approved chemicals for providing protection against the sun rays. This particular doctor, a dermatologist, Dr. Jody Lean, she says that she pretty much isn't concerned. Because she says there's no evidence based on good scientific studies that this is true about it being harmful and having the hormone disruption. So, you know, it kind of leaves you like, okay, the doctor says not to worry about it. The EWG says there, there are some research studies. And so then I say to myself, okay, so the research studies they're saying were probably not... Big enough focus groups or, you know, if if they don't have enough people or if it's not done over a large enough period of time, it's more questionable. So it it becomes something that you have to make that decision. And when I look at it, if there's a potential for disruption of hormones, even though it's maybe not fully, I haven't gotten the full research on it yet, I don't want to wait for that research to come out and slather it all over me and my son. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to wait for them to say, yeah, actually, it does do that. (laughs) And if it doesn't do that, fine, but I don't have to use it in the meantime. You see what I'm saying? So some of these times when research comes out and it's confusing or they say, like, well, there's not enough research or there wasn't a big enough group to say for sure. And when I see dermatologists are like, well, they're not concerned. That's when I have to make my own decision. And so for me personally, I'm not going to use a sunblock that has the oxybenzone in it. I'm not going to take that chance. I'm not going to wait for potentially them to say, yes, we were right, even though we were unsure. Now, I understand why the dermatologists are kind of not showing as much concern because they they see what happens is when they say that there is concern, people don't use sunblock at all. And that's where you do have to sort of weigh the pros and cons, like not using sunblock at all because you're afraid of the chemicals in it is definitely going to lead to sun damage and that could potentially lead to sun cancer. So that's something you have to think about. I'm not saying you should do that. I'm saying let's pick a sun that doesn't have the oxybenzone in it, but I can see where dermatologists are saying people are hearing the chemicals are bad for you, so they're just not using anything. And that's definitely not, that's not a good option either. So You got to make your own decisions. You got to do your own research. You got to get on the EWG, read it yourself, see what you think, and then you can decide for yourself number seven mineral sunscreens contain nanoparticles and this is what was a little different from last year's research that i talked about nanoparticles most zinc oxide and titanium dioxide based sunscreens contain nanoparticles 1 20th the width of a human hair (laughs) to reduce or eliminate that chalky white tint that the larger particles leave on your skin Based on the available information, the EWG gives a favorable rating to mineral ingredients in sunscreens, but the FDA should restrict the use of unstable or UV-reactive forms of minerals that would lessen skin protection. Now, last year, nanoparticles we talked about, they were saying don't use anything that has nanoparticles. That sort of has changed this year. They're saying it's not true. It's not enough of a concern. It's not doing what we thought. Nanoparticles in American sunscreens, that's the titanium dioxide or the zinc oxide. And zinc oxide is EWG's first choice now for sun protection. It's, a, it's stable in sunlight, and it can provide greater protection from the UVA rays than the titanium oxide or any other sunscreen chemical approved or used in the U.S. right now. Years ago, zinc oxide sunscreens, often seen on the lifeguard's noses, remember that, when they'd always had the white noses, and they were famously white and chalky. Today, those sunscreen makers use zinc oxide nanoparticles to formulate lotions so that it doesn't have that same white, chalky tint. So that's the difference of what it was before, and then they made them into these nanoparticles and why it it rubs in better, you know, because I know I hate that sunscreen that doesn't rub in and you're like a white ghost, right? Now a number of companies sell products advertised as containing non-nano. Okay, that's what we were talking about last year. So they say that they contain non nano titanium dioxide and zinc oxide. These claims are generally misleading. While the particle sizes vary among manufacturers, nearly all would be considered nanomaterials under a broad definition of the term, including the definition that was proposed in 2011 by the Federal Food and Drug Administration. Now, nanoparticles could cause lung damage when inhaled. That seemed to be the only research I could find on anything being bad with the nanoparticles. Inhalation of nanoparticles is dangerous for many reasons. The EWG strongly discourages the use of loose powder makeup... Or spray sunscreens using titanium dioxide or zinc oxide of any particular size. And I've always been someone who said, don't use the sunblock sprays. I know they're easier to use. I know the kids like them better. But you are inhaling it and there's nothing worse than when someone sprays that stuff, right in front of you. Today I was on a run and I'm taking a big inhale and this lady literally was getting out of her car spraying the sunblock and I took in the biggest inhale of her sunblock and I wanted to tell her not to use spray. But I kept running. Okay, anyway, it's important to note that there isn't a certifying body to give us or anyone an official seal for these non-nano sunscreens or any other product. And that means any packaging with the non-nano claim is not regulated and should be investigated further to prove their claims. Because really, that's the thing they're saying is you cannot prove that they're non-nano and basically they aren't. So don't worry about the nanoparticles. That's what's different from last year. If it says nanoparticle, you don't actually have to worry. If it says non-nano, you should question if it's actually real because they're saying that that's pretty hard to prove and pretty hard to do these days. Now the last one I have, number eight, don't depend on sunscreen. The EWG strongly disagrees with the FDA's decision to allow sunscreen makers to claim that their products prevent cancer. They say they are concerned that this labeling will lead people to rely on sunscreen use alone to mitigate their cancer risk, and that may backfire. I mean, it definitely will, right? People who rely on sunscreens tend to burn, and sunburns are linked to cancer. The CDC has reported that the percentage of American adults who say they have gotten sunburn has increased since 2005. Now, Stanford University dermatologists who reviewed CDC national survey data concluded that people who relied solely on sunscreens for sun protection had more sunburns than people who reported infrequent sunscreen use, but wore hats and clothing to shield themselves from the sun. In Sweden, increased use of sunscreens by children was linked to more sunburns, Several other studies of real-world sunscreen use found that people who use sunscreen for skin protection during periods of intense UV exposure had more sunburns. So you have to realize, sunscreen alone is not enough. It just is not enough. And you can still get sun cancer, even if you slather and lather, okay? So you really don't want to just depend on sunscreen, people, we do not want sun cancer. I have seen people with surgeries on their faces to cut melanoma off on their backs, on their ears. The ears is a spot we forget to put sunblock a lot and it's not pretty and it's not comfortable and it's painful as well. So just remember for you and the kiddos, sunblock is not going to be enough. Now, some of the most common questions that I hear and I even have, should I use spray sunscreen or a lotion? And we kind of just talked about that, but there are several different types of sunscreens now. There's the creams. If you have dry skin, you might prefer a cream, especially for your face. They also have the lotions, and that is often preferred for application on large areas. The lotions tend to be a little thinner and less greasy than the creams. There's gels that work best in hairy areas, such as the scalp or a man's chest. You've seen the stick. Have you seen those sticks, you know? uh, The sticks are really useful for applying it around the eyes and on the face. The spray, as we talked about, parents prefer it because it's easy to apply on their children. It's difficult to know, however, if you're actually spraying enough in all the right spots and if you're getting a generous and even coating again i would not buy the spray don't do it use real sunblock lotion or cream let's not inhale our sunscreen that's not going to work what else do you need to know about sunscreen well you need to apply generous amounts of sunscreen generous amounts you want to put it on 15 minutes before you even go outside you need to use sunscreen on all skin surfaces that will be exposed to the sun that includes your face Your ears, as I said, the ears are often people forget. Your hands, your arms, your lips often are forgotten, the lips. We do our whole face and then we don't cover our lips. How about feet? Have you ever seen people with the sunburned feet because they did their legs and not their feet? It's awful. You need to reapply sunscreen every two hours. You need to reapply it immediately after swimming or heavy sweating, even if you're using a product that says it's water-resistant. I think that's what gets people the most is they just don't reapply. They put on a lot one time before they go out in the sun, and then that's about it. You want to remember that sand, water, and snow reflect sunlight and make it more important to use sunscreen. So even in the snow, you need to use it. And since UV light can pass through the clouds... Use sunscreen even when it's cloudy. You want to avoid the sun during peak hours, and generally this is between 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., and that's regardless of the season. And honestly, probably the most important thing you can do is wear protective clothing. That would include pants, shirts with long sleeves, sunglasses. You even want to protect your eyes, a wide-brimmed hat as well. All of those things are so, so important if you're trying to prevent skin cancer. And aren't we all? I mean, nobody wants skin cancer and you don't want your kiddos to have it either. So you have to be really proactive with the kids. Now, this is the kind of stuff I'm gonna include some of that information in the freebie, but this is what I really want you to also have quick access to in the freebie that I'm gonna give you. What to look for in your sunblock. You want titanium dioxide and zinc oxide-based mineral sunscreens. That's what you want. You want to um, not worry anymore about the non-nano. So that you may still see on it. You don't have to worry about that. The unscented are the best. The lotion-based with water-resistant are very good. It must say broad spectrum because you want to protect against the UVA and the UVB, and you want to choose products rated 0 to 2 on the EWG sunscreen guide. And I'm going to put that link in the freebie as well. So you can actually type in your sunblock that you currently have in your cabinet, see where it rates, even start to look and see if it has some of these things. Um, What you want to avoid in your sunblock, just as important. Don't, if it says that vitamin A, you don't want it. You don't want parabens. You really don't want fragrances. You don't want the sprays. Those are super important things, okay? So again, everything like that, quick and easy. I want you to be able to look at those bullet points when you're walking through Whole Foods and picking that sunblock. Whole Foods luckily has a lot of the good ones. When you go to Target, it's a little harder, and you're going to want to look and say, okay, I'm, pu- I'm going to pull up my notes section, and that freebie's right here. Oh, this one has vitamin A, or this one has parabens, or I'm definitely not getting that spray because Kim told me. Uh, okay, so all of that in the freebie. The freebie can be found at shockthatbody.com forward slash sunblock. If that doesn't work, that means my websites have uh, merged together. You can get it at earnthatbody.com forward slash sunblock. Whenever I have a freebie, I put the link in the show notes. If you don't know where the show notes are, go to earnthatbody.com, podcast tab, and all of my podcasts are listed there. And whenever there's a show note or a link or a freebie, that's where you can find it as well. I hope you found this episode important. I hope you found it helpful because like I said, even I, each year, I need to review the information. And as you can see, each year, the information changes a little bit. That's part of what happens in our world. And that's good, right? Research maybe gets deeper. Maybe they they do more experiments or they have a bigger research group. and, And these kind of things are the things that we need to stay on top of. So I do hope you found it helpful. This would be a podcast I would love to see you share. Let's help others not get skin cancer if you're on my facebook page i'm gonna post this every monday i post the podcast could you give it a share so we can spread this information that is one of my biggest goals with the earn that body podcast is that i can spread fitness health and nutrition information to as many people as possible for free let's let's reach out let's help people we live in a time where i feel like nobody helps people anymore every everybody wants to make money from it i just want to help people and this one's really important so let's share this one let's spread the word let's pick the right thing for our skin and for our kids it was a long one today i'm winded all right everybody i hope you have a fantastic week ahead earn that body podcast always here to bring you health fitness and nutrition information that you can put into play right away